Jesus told many parables, one of the most well-known being what we now call the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's a story about someone who is vulnerable and needed help, but to help him was terribly inconvenient. There were some who passed by and saw the man in need. Jesus makes it clear that they saw him. They were not ignorant of his plight. They simply determined that the cost of helping him would be too high. Then there was a Samaritan. When the Samaritan saw the man, he had compassion, and that compassion moved him to action. He put himself at risk to get down in the dirt and bind up his wounds. He put the injured man on his own animal and took him to an inn and cared for him. Then he paid for the man to stay in the inn while he recovered. He even told the innkeeper that if the man incurred any additional cost, he would return and pay it. That kind of mercy and kindness was costly and inconvenient. Yet that is what Jesus did for us, and it's what he calls us to do if we're following him. All too often, it's easier for us to do only what we're obligated to do, not what love requires of us. There is a vast canyon between obligation and love. And the Bible uses a handful of words to describe what makes up the difference. Sometimes it's called kindness or mercy. Often, it is called goodness. But just what does it mean to be good in a biblical sense? Listen to Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before Him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Here's the answer. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Now, I want to point out something important before we get too far. This is not a dialogue between God and unbelievers. This conversation is between God and His covenant people. Twice in this passage, He refers to them as my people. Even when Micah says that the Lord has an indictment, it is an indictment against His people. God reminds them back in verse 4, I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery. So the question is not, what does the Lord require for us to become His people? The question is, what does the Lord require of those who are already His people? What does the Lord require of those whom He has already redeemed? Answer, to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Let's zero in for a moment on the word good. He has told you, O man, what is good. We use the word good to mean all kinds of things. It can mean pleasant, as in that smells good. It can mean well-mannered or obedient. We might say he's a good kid. Or we might ask a dog, who's a good boy? It can mean skilled, as in she's good at her job. Good can mean correct, as in that was a good call. I'm sure we could think of others, but you get the idea. The word goodness is like putty. But how does God define goodness? What does the Bible mean when it calls us to be good? Well, it's multifaceted, but I want to use Micah 6, 8 
as a template to help us see at least three components of biblical goodness. First, biblical goodness is faithfulness to God. He has told you what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to walk humbly with your God. We cannot pursue goodness apart from a relationship with God. Again, this is not a blueprint for how we can get God to accept us. First, He has to be our God. We have to surrender to Him and receive Him as our Lord. But once He is our God, then He calls us to walk humbly with Him, to listen to His voice, which we hear in His Word, and to follow Him. Psalm 23, verse 3 says, He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. In John 10, 27, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. This is what the Lord requires of those who belong to Him, that we do not chart our own course or fight in our own strength, but that we walk humbly with our God. Faithfulness to God, that is one facet of biblical goodness. The second component of biblical goodness is kindness or mercy. He has told you what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to love kindness. The word kindness there is the Hebrew word chesed. It's an important word that describes not just a feeling of love, but love that is backed up by a promise. It's often used to express God's covenant love toward his people. Chesed is often translated as steadfast love or mercy. Throughout the Bible, goodness is practically interchangeable with words like kindness and mercy. For example, how often do we hear the refrain, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His steadfast love or mercy endures forever. In Titus 3, Paul says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy. So God's goodness is demonstrated in tangible acts of kindness and mercy, of generosity and provision and care, and the same must be true of our goodness. Mr. Rogers and Sesame Street talk a lot about kindness, and we certainly need plenty of that in our world today. But biblical goodness goes beyond politeness or friendliness to others. It is certainly those things. 1 Corinthians 13 says that love is not rude. But biblical goodness is about more than being polite. It's about being positively merciful to those we know are sinners because we know how merciful God has been to us in our sin. So maybe one way we can say it is that goodness is not just a description of a person's demeanor, although one's temperament is certainly included. Goodness is demonstrated in tangible acts of provision and care. This is true of God's goodness toward us. Psalm 68 verse 10 says, In your goodness, O God, you provided for the needy. And our goodness toward others is to be just as practical. Proverbs 3 verse 27, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. And Proverbs 12 verse 25, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Kind and merciful words and actions are another facet of biblical goodness. And the third component of biblical goodness is justice. 
He has told you what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice. We cannot divorce kindness from righteousness. Biblical goodness is equally concerned with both. And justice is simply righteousness that is directed toward others. It's about not just doing right, but doing right by others. Proverbs 18, verse 5, It is not good to be partial to the wicked or to deprive the righteous of justice. Proverbs 20, verse 23, Unequal weights are an abomination to the Lord, and false scales are not good. Proverbs 24, verse 23, Partiality in judging is not good. When God says that these things are not good, He's doing more than saying that they are unpleasant, although that is certainly true for the person being wronged. He's saying that injustice is contrary to his own goodness. Amos 5 verse 15, Hate evil and love good and establish justice in the gate. So you could think of justice and kindness as two sides of the same coin. Kindness is when I demonstrate goodness, generosity, provision, mercy, care, when it is in my power to do it. Justice is when I refuse to take advantage of someone or to let others take advantage of them. Justice refuses to show partiality or to deprive someone of goodness and mercy simply because of their position, because of who they are. Think back to the parable of the Good Samaritan. What made that parable so shocking at the time was not only the mercy of the Samaritan, but the impartiality. These were men whom the world expected to be at odds with one another, but compassion drove the Samaritan to love. And the difference between obligation and love was the compassion the Samaritan felt and the goodness that he showed in mercy and in justice. There is an important connection between compassion and goodness. Goodness is the outward expression of the internal disposition of compassion, and both are crucial. We must not pursue mercy or generosity or justice out of a sense of obligation, but out of a genuine compassion for one another. On the other hand, we can't stop at compassion. After all, we don't call it the parable of the compassionate Samaritan. We call it the parable of the good Samaritan. Compassion has to be worked out in visible, audible, tangible acts of goodness to others, providing and caring for those in need, doing justice for those who are vulnerable, and being merciful to those who are weak. This vision of what it means to follow Christ is radical and countercultural because we live in a world that is obsessed with getting when God calls his people to be giving. We see others as objects who can do things for us when God calls us to consider what we can do for them. We favor the strong and wealthy and powerful, often thinking that those things are automatically signs of God's blessing when God calls us to be impartial and to establish justice for those who are most vulnerable, those who could never repay us, widows, orphans, foreigners, and the oppressed.
And over and over in His Word, God reminds us that He is simply calling us to do for others what He has done for us. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Henderson Baptist Church. If you'd like more information about our church, you can visit us on Facebook or check out our website, hendersonbaptist.org.